Lambert und Karl-Heinz Riele 1 zu 0 für Borussia Dortmund. Moin and welcome to the German Football Podcast. Back again this week for a very special episode where we chat about weekend's activities after a very successful weekend in Hamburg and Rostock. Uh, but firstly, I'll introduce my co-hosts. Firstly, with Roy, who's been particularly big, busy with podcasts this week after appearing on the Zweite Bundesliga podcast with our good friends Ava and Matthew. So uh, be sure to check that out. But how are you feeling after that? Zach, I listen to your own voice. Oh, I, I listened back to it and I just think I, I don't know how anyone actually understood what I said. It just been far too fast on it. It was part, it was an early morning start and I feel like all weekend was a very early morning starts and I just haven't had that sleep yet. So it was uh, interesting. I lost track of time quite a lot and I'm not going to lie, I don't think I said a lot of good things on it, but it was a fun podcast to be on. Maybe you can uh, catch up on sleep when we're talking about Haas Fall later. I really, I re- I'm really thinking about it. I came home from work today and slept for three hours before this. So I'm not actually quite woken up yet. So that it might just hit me. The buzz might hit me soon. <laughs> We've also got George fresh off the back of an inspiring performance at centre defensive midfield at the weekend. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I mean, as inspired as it was, didn't translate into the three points, which is really all I'm about as a, as a player, really. But um, apart from that, that was on Sunday, so uh, on the, the latter leg of the um, GFP tour. So um, the the events which came before very much put me in a good mood, but my uh, my Kreisliga defeat did, did dampen the mood temporarily before um, rejoining the tour. But I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get on to all of the, uh, the weekend's events. Um, but other than that, I'm uh, very well. It's, Kind of, kind of strange to see you, Colin, um, back on the your tiny little screen as opposed to in our company. But um, no, I'm very, very well, thank you. And we've also got Robert Hagesfall forever and ever, <laughs> who was my very kind, kind host for the weekend uh, at his flat. So uh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm a bit tired, but... Um... Other than that, I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, as as George was saying, well, George is much more of a team player than I am. I'm all about I'm all about the wins and playing well personally, and that's what I managed to do undefeated with uh, Roy's flatmate Moritz at the at the kicker in the Goldfish Glass in Hamburg on Sunday evening. So that was probably one one of my highlights of the weekend. Oh, I don't even want to think about that. Um... Me, me, me and Roy were a, a, a awful combination, and I'd, I'd yeah, just rather not re, revisit revisit that table football. But uh, it should also should also be noted that we are uh, also joined by Roy's good pal Andrew Hunter. And we should also point out, Colin, um, we don't offer like free raffle prizes to people to join the GFP uh, weekends away. If anyone had noticed this, it was my best friend Andrew that came along with us. He didn't win a prize to come along. We're not offering these, just a disclaimer, uh, which is fun as well. I'm, I'm pretty sure he got on well with you all and he enjoyed himself, but he was unfortunately not able to make the podcast tonight as a special guest. Um, but yeah, well, it was a good weekend for us. Yeah, good to good to meet Andrew. Good to have companion along, a non podcast member. But I'll be interested to see who's who's the next next non podcast member to come over and uh, win the free competition. But uh, I'd say the trip started for me on Saturday, but uh, the actual football on weekend was on the Friday night that it began, where George. I believe you managed to catch a lower league game at Victoria Hamburg, was it? Yeah, uh, lower league is doing a, a disservice. Uh, it's Oberliga Hamburg, so only one league below the regular league at Nord. Um, Nord, Nord, actually. Okay. Um, so actually a fairly reasonable um, quality of football. Um, so that would be the fifth tier, but a little bit difficult to understand it like that, given how regionalised... Um, the lower leagues are, but um, 
Yeah, so I was at the Holofstadion, which is also shared by um, Fredonia Ottensen, who are in the regular league of Nord Nord. Uh, racked up a attendance of 284, top of my head. A very sort of impressive stadium, artificial grass, but um, a good Friday night atmosphere. Um, the sort of um, ratio of flares set off to people watching the game was pretty much in the favour of ratio of uh, flares being set off because it was almost a ever-present cloud of uh, yellow and blue smoke uh, covering the game which was which was nice to see at, um a, like you say relatively low level um football game but um it was also nice to see a home win i might think i might have broken my jinx forever having um seen uh 1860 win the week before um so yeah victoria won three one over the city rivals and you know victoria against Niendorf. so victoria and Niendorf are two of the biggest uh, amateur clubs in the city of Hamburg. Um, so um, that was a very pleasant experience. Um, a lot of players there had played slightly high level, so you can that kind of played out that way. Um, but you know, the whole time there, I was just thinking about the, the imminent arrival of um, Colin and Andrew as they were arriving early doors the next day. But yeah, overall, Friday night, 3 1 win for Victoria Hamburg, and I've Absolutely no idea where that leaves them on the table, but um, I, I would suggest that it would be near the top. Good stuff. Good, good on them. And uh, it was a stadium. Oh, I mean, this is jumping forward a wee bit, but it was a, a stadium that I saw um, on my arrival in Hamburg, with it being so near to Roberts Flat. So it was good to see that as well. But that game must have ended in on that Friday night. But the trip for me. It probably wasn't too much longer after that that it actually started as I woke up at the very early hour of uh, 2.30 to make the journey from here to Edinburgh. I don't know how I was awake like nearly 24 hours later. Um, but anyway, I, I had I had to be done. Got up at half two and made my way all the way from Ed, air to Edinburgh, coast to coast in the torrential rain. Uh, met with Andrew at Edinburgh Airport in the Slightly misstep at the start of the, the trip as we were confronted by the presence of a couple of Rangers dads who you know, also, we, also we joined the flight in full Hamburg gear. Uh, just decided to ignore them. Uh, met up, landed in Hamburg, met up with Roy at the Hamburg Flow Cabin and then met George and Robert slightly later after getting into the city, uh, into the flats. Uh, so it was, it was really, it was for me, it was really strange actually seeing people in person after a year of doing the podcast. I'm so used to seeing people during COVID on screens and everything. So it, it was, uh, it was good to see. And uh, turns out Robert is a is a giant, and uh, Roy, not so much. But um, <laughs> particularly when you see him next to other Hamburg, other Hashval staff. Uh, <laughs> so. That was, uh, that was interesting. Um, yeah, and then we headed headed into the city centre, got a bit of currywurst with disgusting amount of mayonnaise, which I don't think me and George were able to handle. I, mean, I, I usually like mayonnaise, but it wasn't. That would I would put you off forever. The, the amount there. But, I mean, Robert gave us a bit of a, a guided tour of the city with his, his superb knowledge of the historical buildings and gave a a, a wee. Uh, guided tour along the, the Elba as well. So that, that, that was really good on the, the Saturday afternoon, a good introduction to the city. And I, I was uh, very impressed with how how good the city was, the city centre. I thought it was a beautiful city. One of the one of the best I've seen in Germany, definitely. And, and eventually eventually headed towards the stadium. Yeah, so we uh, after after I'd shown you well, we'd shown you around round Hamburg, we headed to the uh, to Stellingen about half four. I was quite surprised quite how busy it was even four hours before kickoff. And there seems to be quite a lot of Haas Fall fans who probably started drinking about the same time as you got up on the Saturday morning. Um, and we went to one of the one of the stands that was one of the beer stands that was on the other side of the Stellingen uh, train bridge. 
and there was a an older well a middle-aged german man who um who said that your scottish accents were hard on his ear so he came over and had a chat to us and turned out that he was uh, one of the members he didn't well, he didn't actually tell us his name but he was one of the members of um hamburg chosen few which is an ultra group that disbanded around 2014 when um Haasfall was turned into Haasfall Fußball AG um and he was he was very informative very uh helpful and telling us about Rostock he was he was um yeah made us made us worry <laughs> made us worry a bit about about Rostock on the Sunday but it turned out he hadn't been there since 1994 so maybe his worries were a bit misplaced and he was also telling me um about all of the friendships that the Crystal Palace ultras have with um different clubs and different ultra groups in Europe that was uh very very nice to very nice to learn as well and then um yeah we we moved on to the stadium i don't know if roy wants to take on from that i'll take on i should mention there i i i want to i want to mention how infuriated i was with the um security staff at house file because um i had to leave the um roberts um city tour fairly early doors because i was working um so i didn't get off work till about half six uh, and then make my way straight to the stadium. It was two hours before kickoff, um, and that, that set in motion um, as a process of just constantly waiting around for nothing to happen, essentially. So um, I didn't was getting very stressed and agitated because I just wanted to be back in the company of um, my favourite boys. But uh, nonetheless, I waited about forty minutes in the queue. Uh, the tickets after I'd got through the corona stuff um, and then the, the kind gentleman in front of me decided that he would wait till we got to the very front of his queue of the queue to remember they had to get his ticket out so that way to know a couple of minutes and fumbling around because like I said it was quite a, a uh, well it wouldn't be correct to describe it as a sober atmosphere um, at Haasfell on Saturday night um, so that I would, I would, all my uh, worries were were relieved once I uh, got in eventually to the um, Stadtplatzer, which is important to mention that we were standing and not sitting. Um, Robert gave me a description of where he was, which is probably the location of roughly four thousand people, maybe. Uh, told us, told me the the one block he was in. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but once I eventually did find them, and uh, the boys had uh, saved a beer for me. Um, then you know all was good. I got in about thirty twenty minutes to kick off, but um, that's just I just wanted to really to vent my my frustrations at how how long everything took. But um, yeah, I'm not sure who I'm not sure who wants who that'll be directed at. Maybe the man to my left, maybe not. <laughs> well, I guess I, sorry. I guess what, one quick point before we started is one of my one of my friends from Highsfall works at Der Hamburger Weg, which is the club's foundation. And he managed to uh, find us out and uh, tell us how he hadn't listened to the podcast and he was a big Hearts fan. Um, and, <laughs> and then asked us to go to the front of Block 22A at, at, uh, on the North Tribuna and hold up this banner, which had been uh, drawn by some kids who did some of the foundation's classroom uh, workshops. And I, I thought it was quite funny how we didn't actually see what the banner was. There was <laughs> There was a... Uh, this sort of uh, intern was taking a picture of us. So me, my friend Felix, uh, Andrew and Colin, who can't speak German, who can actually read what it said on the banner. And um, but yeah, so if you want to go to the Hamburger Vig's uh, Instagram page, you'll there, you'll find a picture of myself, Felix, uh, Andrew, and Colin holding up a banner saying. Um, no to race or no to discrimination, no to racism. Be who you are. So um, yeah, that was that was an interesting experience as well. I felt like the eyes, the eyes of the world were upon you as you were holding this up this banner, which I had no idea what they said. And uh, I mean, Felix told me that it said something about anti-discrimination, but I don't think I trust. I, I didn't really trust him considering <laughs> he he'd uh, heard of well. Firstly, he'd heard of St Marin and not A United. And also, secondly, I went to the toilet and I, while I came back, he was drinking my beer. So <laughs> I, 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 I don't really have much trust for Felix. Um, as it turns out, 
it was an anti-discrimination message. So I, I was happy to take part in that, mm. if, even if it felt uh, slightly awkward as everyone was staring at you. But what are you going to do? Um, I, I feel like since Why? we go on to talk about the Hamburg game, I can't really say much because I was working at the time. Um, but I think if anyone visits uh, the Hasfar, the Volkspark Stadium, and takes the Stellingen route to the stadium, if you find a Kieran Tierney on one of the walls, please let us know because a good friend of the show, Andrew, decided that as we took Halbier stickers with us and plastered them around the north of, in the northeast of Germany, Andrew decided to bring his spare Scotland Euro 2020 stickers and had a very good bit of fun sticking them around. Only one has survived the weekend. As Highsville fans seem to not be big fans of John McGinn in a urinal area on the Stellingen um, train station that has now been removed. But Kieran Tierney is still there. So if anyone goes from Stellingen to the the Volkspark Stadion in the next few months and finds Kieran Tierney, please let us know. You won't win anything, but it's nice to nice to be nice, isn't it? Well, Scot- Scot- Scottish born and bred uh, Scott McTominay is also on the Minotaur somewhere, just near the just near the toilet <laughs> the police station. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. I didn't know John McGinn had gone. John you, McGinn. Uh, oh, he's gone. I think the funniest was uh, Carl McGregor. Um, I think deliberately, deliberately placed by Andrew as uh, the Celtic player. Um, obviously not going to be a popular move at Hashwell. Uh, and by the time we walked by it on the way back from the game, it was gone. So somebody in that, like, Three, two or three hours had seen it and peeled it off, which is interesting. Uh, but it was great, great for me. I mean, you've been to loads of games the last few weeks, last couple of months. I've not been to I've not been to Germany at all for over two years, not been to any games. So to be confronted by the site of the Volkspark Stadium was great for me. Uh, I mean, first time I'd been to the stadium, I thought it was brilliant stadium. Like it's if it was full and had slightly more of an atmosphere, obviously there was no ultras or organised support during the match. So actually was slightly deflated. It was a bit more dependent on, as I mentioned before, a bit more reactive, depending on how well the team were playing. And as the team sort of faded and faded into the second half, uh, the atmosphere slightly died down a wee bit. You can imagine for a big game with it properly full how brilliant an arena would be I think it's this type of stadium that anywhere you are in the stadium you would get a good view uh, it just looked brilliant to be honest uh, but I don't know what you thought of the game uh, I thought the first half I thought it sort of started well I didn't think it was a bad game I thought the first half wasn't bad Kiel grew into it the start of the second half which made it a bit more interesting but then it sort of just died a death as Hatsfile were sort of Awful at the end. Mm, well, I, I was I would go um, further than saying that Kiel grew into the game in the second half. I mean, they did. It was a bit of a sense of deja vu for me because the only other half-style game I've gone to, um, the opposition team scored within four to five seconds of the restart, um, and that's exactly what happened um, uh, on Saturday night. And that just seemed to take the wind out of half-style really. Um, Seem to be very uh, uncom- uh, sort of uh, really lacking confidence in their own ability to um, see the game out and carry on, you know, playing a sort of vertical style of football. Um, so they just you just sort of saw all the confidence really drain out of them as the game went on. And then in the last sort of fifteen minutes, I've rarely seen such a dull end to a game uh, in the sense that the game just completely died out. Really. Um, yeah, probably should have got the winner at one point, which um, obviously wouldn't have gone down too well with the, the home side, or the home fans at least. Um, but yeah, I just thought the, the way the game ended was was uh, pretty disappointing to see. But um, one thing that we were talking about as the game finally eventually did end, um, which seemed a bit of a relief at the time, was that um, Colin, Robert, Andrew and I sort of hung around in the stadium for about 30 minutes or so after the game, as did a lot of people. And I think that was just one thing we picked up on that is, a, is a different to back in back home, that it sort of is indicative of the fact that the whole football experience is more exactly that, like a, an experience, you know, just go to watch the match. So 
everyone just hangs around and still has a beer in the stadium, which, um, you know, was, as I said at the time, was a lot more exciting and entertaining than, uh, than the match itself. So that's, that's just something worth noting, I suppose. I mean, yeah, thinking, thinking about it, like we are, we arrived really early at Stellingen, uh, probably like half four or something like that, which is about four hours before kickoff. And I think we left Stellingen about, I don't know, midnight, midnight or something. Yeah. yeah. So we, we were hanging about in the vicinity of the stadium for like seven, eight hours. And you just can't imagine that at home, but it, it seemed perfectly normal because there's plenty of folk about before and after kickoff. That it's far more of a, a social event for everyone. Far more That's of a day. That's back home. You just don't get the same atmosphere. You don't get the same people coming up and talking to you. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. The guy's spoken to us because of our accents, and he's he's got already got interest in um, Scotland originally. But you just don't get that experience, field day experience. Like if I think I go into my team, St Mirren, I would go 10 minutes for kickoff and I'd leave as soon as the full-time muscle goes and that's the end of the experience you're there for like just over two hours then. Whereas I would happily go back there again at half four and leave at 12 and fully enjoy my experience there as well. And we'll come on to the next day as well. We had a similar experience where we were there for a while and then we, okay, we kind of left earlier, but... You just don't get that experience back home, and I think that's the, that's what draws a lot of UK people towards the German football in, in general. It's just it's an amazing experience that you get to have, and it's nothing nothing like back home. So it was really enjoyable. But I, I think I think what Josh says was right. As far as just going through a weird stage at the moment, where they can't really find their their, their main first eleven injuries are coming into it as well. So it kind of dulled the game down. They started off really well, and it's just. They're, they're either picking the first half or the second half where they're going to play their best football and they can't really bring that into full 90 minutes yet. Um, so it's just kind of slowly getting there, but it's part of many draws at the moment. And, you know, when you're working there and you haven't seen a win yet, it's starting to get a bit repetitive. And I'm kind of hoping. Did, did you see a win, Robert, when you are working there? Like, well, yeah, they get to see a win. They started really well when I when I started through the first game against Darmstadt. And then... In fact, the first time my parents went to see Haasfell, uh, they beat Bochum 1-0 through Lupus Hinterseer. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was strange. it was a strange experience for me as well, because it was the first time I've been to a Haasfell game as a fan since 2015. Um, yeah, so sort of for about, well, just over a year and a half. Well, actually, mainly more, more like nine months I've been going to the games in person. Um, so it was a strange experience to uh, yeah, be, there, be there as a fan. Um, I think we're all quite disappointed with the atmosphere. I think you can really notice the difference when the ultras aren't there uh, or there weren't any organised support, um, especially in the standing section of Haas I think there's around 15,000 people there. And it's just such a huge space that if a chance starts on one side of the stand, then it, it can't really be coordinated from the front or sort of two different chants start at the same time. As we sort of alluded to as well, people seem to be really drunk and like not really paying attention to the game. Like there was a guy in front of us who seemed to be like filming himself on Snapchat half the time, and another lad who was just there in a short, short sleeved uh, pink shirt, pink Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, yeah. Just turned turned the wrong way around, speaking to his mates the whole time, like he'd maybe taken a few substances. Um, Is that a guy with massive wide eyes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe the telltale sign. And um, yeah, it just seems to be a bit of a, a strange atmosphere on and off the pitch at Haasfell at the moment. Maybe the sort of fan fan base seems to be a bit split in terms of which way the club should be going. Um, and people possibly just a bit frustrated after Corona and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, um, it was it was perhaps a perhaps a bit disappointing. The game the game was still entertaining, um, like we said. But um, from my point of view, definitely enjoyed Sunday more. Yeah. It was definitely other, yeah. all, like quite nice to notice from myself that when I was doing a bit of work and I thought I'll come uh, when I went around the, the stand um, to, to do a bit of filming of the players of the training, I turned around and I instantly found Robert waving like a proud dad at me. And I had a very <laughs> enjoyable moment at that moment in time when I managed to pick these out from the crowd. That was very, very nice to, to see. He felt the support. From well, the it, was, it was more the fact that we spotted uh, six foot six Michi next to, next to Roy. But... <laughs> And then and then Roy is sort of, sort of like the light. Yeah. Let's just point out I'm six foot one, at least. Yeah. Six foot one. 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, I should point out where I, 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 I basically called Roy a, a wee man, I called Roy a Bundesliga coach, uh, that it's because we saw him beside a, a, an absolute giant. Uh, he's not actually small. He's, he's, uh, not, he's not a small man. A colleague of mine. Of just, just, so in, just in case Roy's, uh, Roy's ego was... Uh, Ego was affected by that comment earlier, but for me, I enjoy that. I agree with how you see how moody the atmosphere was. Uh, we get pelted with beer about like five times. Yeah. Which one of the times? One of the times was when the penalty was given. One of the times was when Hasfal scored, which is like fair enough. You sort of get that, but it ends up like getting into the second half. You're getting pelted with beer when like they concede a free kick or something like that, and it just. I don't know, I guess a wee bit annoying after a while. And you could sit tell quite a few fans around us were getting quite frustrated with with the other the other the others behind us. Uh, so that that wasn't great. A couple of smoke bombs uh, thrown onto the pitch oh, as well, which was gave me a fright, massive fright. Um give you more a fright, calling that or your bag. Oh don't even don't even mention the bag. <laughs> Just there on the, the the train back to the airport, me, Roy, and Andrew sitting there. But, and the, no, wait, I'll tell you. Oh, I, I can't me, even explain it. Me, Colin, and Andrew are sitting there. I know we're jumping ahead a wee bit here, but it was hilarious. Me, Colin, and Andrew are sitting on the S-band and waiting to look half, and we're just having a chat, and all of a sudden, Colin's bag, his shoulder is. The, the shoulder has dropped a slight bit and he's jumped out of his seat to euphoria of something has touched him. And no, no, I'll, I'll tell you what. He had a nice wee look at him and just kind of like stared and he looked a bit kind of like and, um, a wee bit embarrassed at the end. It was quite funny. It was a nice way to finish the trip as he got a big fright from his own self. I'll tell you what happened. The bag was on the ground and it, the strap sort of moved along my leg but it felt like it was like liquid pouring on my leg and I thought it was coming from underneath my seat. So I thought something was like pouring out. I think I was affected by the experience of the day before where my beer spilled at Rostock and some girl behind me put, tapped me on the shoulder to point it out and I ended up getting beer all over my jeans. Um, but I was scarred from that experience. But I, I, I would also blame the fact that I'd had very little sleep the previous two days and I think I'd started... Uh, imagining things pretty much uh, so um, that's I'm going to blame that uh, uh, I'm just gonna, can, I say, can I say one more thing about um, the atmosphere at Haas Fowl and I think it's a, a good point that, um, that also a good friend of the, the podcast uh, Halka was saying about the sort of mentality of Haas Fowl at the moment is sort of developed in a way that for a long time before they were, when they were sort of flirting with uh, with eventually getting relegated to Bundesliga, there was still a sense that, of course, that they couldn't ever be relegated. And then first couple of seasons in the Spice Bundesliga, there was almost like a, an, an arrogance or a sort of entitlement that they'll bounce back straight away um, and that they, they belong in the Bundesliga and that they are inherently a Bundesliga club. But I think in the last season and a bit, and it's certainly into this season, um, it's become quite apparent. I think fans realise that too, which has also um, been influenced by this recent success of St Pauli or how well St Pauli has been doing this season, that half-star fans have sort of slowly come around to the fact that they, they don't have a right to be in the Bundesliga and the reality could be that they could be stuck in this league for, for longer than they ever would have imagined um, when they were first relegated. And I think you sort of see that like... Uh, Sort of play out in the way that the the fans, like I said, that the fans did appear quite disinterested uh, in the game for a lot of the time, um, and the fact that you know, like we were saying, that they just like randomly like shoot like smoke bombs onto the pitch or just like throw their beer up when it's like completely full for no reason. There just there seems to be a, a disconnect in terms of like their identity and the way they like see themselves because it it, it seems like in the last season or so they've really become aware that. They're not really what they once thought they were. So I just think I would yes. say how that, how that played out in in the crowd itself. It's uh, it's like an identity crisis. I think their club when they're the Bundesliga always had a reputation of being quite arrogant when they didn't really have a right to be because uh, they not won a tro- even when they're in the Bundesliga had not won a trophy for years or anything like that. But they always had a successful past. 
uh, you saw stuff like the clock that they had with uh, counting how long they'd been in the Bundesliga without being relegated. Uh, but they're just struggling because they don't even have that anymore to hold on to. They're not a Bundesliga side, and as it stands, don't look don't look likely to return soon. Uh, so it's uh, I enjoyed it, but I'd definitely say Sunday was far more enjoyable, not because George wasn't there. Um, and we were it was another it was another early start on the Sunday as we headed to Rostock. And it was quite inconvenient. There's no direct trains on the Sunday, so we had to take three trains either way, and each journey took nearly three hours. Uh, but I, I'd say I quite enjoyed the journey, though. Um, we arrived in Rostock, and I don't know you uh, both, but Roy and Robert, who was actually with us, uh, George was George was playing football, but we'll get onto that later. Um, his performance in midfield, which I'm sure I'm sure we'll hear about. Uh, I, I don't know about you both, but I was very pleasantly surprised at how nice Rostock was. I've been telling everyone that I'm pleasantly surprised, but I don't think anyone's ever told us. I don't know if any of you guys have been told, but it's not a nice place. Uh, I just hadn't really thought about it before we got there, but it was actually a really nice train journey, quite quick, because it was three, you only need to, it was three trains, but it was 50 minutes, and I think we all realised it flew in for each train, or definitely the way there, the way back, we had some uh, Deutsche Bahn issues, but that's normal for Germany and transport, but it was definitely, um, once we got there, um, arrived at a Hauptbahnhof, and you could see quite a lot of fans had actually travelled through, so maybe yeah, you're looking at a lot of fans are coming through from the, the Hamburg and Niedersachsen area, uh, which is quite nice to see. Not very much atmosphere or anything, but it was good to see that you know other people were still coming along and we were on the right train, which is also good to know. Um, but once we got into the Hauptbahn, I'll for a wee walk through the Stadtmitter, uh, which was really nice. Just it was quite quiet, and I don't know if that maybe helped us um, appreciate it more. Um, that everything just was really, really pretty looking buildings. The buildings you expect to see in Germany, uh, from like kind of olden times and things. And you know, and it was really nice to see the nice rat house, the uh, town hall and stuff like that. And then uh, walking around and we experience an absolute calamity moment for myself, who thought that the ATM machine had swallowed my credit, my bank card. Turns out. Uh, we we'll, once we got into the stadium, I just decided to look in my pocket. Found out my bank card was actually in my pocket, and it was an old bank card that had been um, dead for a good couple of months now. That it's been swallowed. So I, I put Robert through a whole load of uh, stress to go ask the person in the next uh, coffee shop. They, they know who just how to get to the ATM. Fun enough, she didn't. So we had a bit of a stressy. 20 minute walk after that once we got to the stadium but it was fun after it was fun you know I, I, I just, I just remember uh, sta- standing standing outside that shop uh, just hearing I go mine here <laughs> thinking that you're coming in to buy some of our ice cream uh, <laughs> uh, it was it was quite funny how that like temporarily spoiled the mood like we're such a good such a good mood saying so, you know, oh this is brilliant this is such a nice day and then you, your bank card gets swallowed and then we're sort of trying to convince you uh, just to get back on board like no that's fine you can't do anything about it now just wait till tomorrow morning and then you can get it back or whatever uh, but it was all it was all for nothing because it was the, the wrong card uh, which was quite quite stupid I did say are you sure it's not in your pocket yeah well in fact in fact uh, Roy's mum did say are you sure it's not in your pocket <laughs> and he, he, he used an expletive which I won't repeat on the show but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't quite as uh, I was. It, it took me a while to start laughing in the Ostseestadion when Roy revealed his card. Um, but uh, as he he put us through the what's the what's the phrase? He put us through the grind, emotional tunnel, through the first through the mill, <laughs> first through an emotional roller coaster. But as you as you say, Colin, um, you need a few emotional or moments. Of uh, um, <laughs> a few a few bad moments to appreciate the good times. Exactly, uh, but I would I would say it was shortly shortly after that uh, we started walking. We walked towards the stadium, uh, greeted by the sight of the most policemen I think I've ever seen. Uh, very intimidating, I would say, like these massive 
big policeman with guns like blockading uh, one of the streets and um, a helicopter and stuff. Uh, but oh well, I know the hands I've had a bit of trouble with police recently, so there did seem to it was seemed to be ramped up a bit the sort of police presence. We eventually got to the ground. Uh, Really liked the floodlights. It was it was good. I always like grounds where you, you get to see it from quite a, a distance away because of the floodlights or a, a stand. And the really distinctive floodlights like lean over like diagonally onto the pitch almost. Yeah, it was quite good. I really like the stadium though. Um I think it's quite uh, I don't know what's the word, rough around the edges, like it's got like graffiti on it and stuff like that, but it makes it quite distinctive. A bit similar to uh, St Pauli, I think, but obviously they are, those clubs are very different. Um, but I think it's quite similar in that way that it's quite it's quite uh, rough around the edges. Yeah, but uh, it was quite it was quite good uh, just standing about outside the ground, getting a bratwurst, very good bratwurst, um, buying a scarf, and uh, eventually head into the ground. Uh, although uh, Andrew had a bit of a but I with his FFP2 mask, which apparently apparently is necessary for uh, walking by security, even though you take your mask off as soon as you're up the steps. Uh, but that's fine. And uh, yeah, headed into the grounds. It was a great, great atmosphere building, I thought. Uh, and we were a bit... Uh, a bit slightly wary, uh, I think, particularly after the the Hasfal fan we'd spoken to the previous night has uh, warnings, despite him not being at Hansa since 1994. But uh, a few uh, warnings about uh, being asked the time and getting elbowed in the face, um, which didn't happen. I must I must have, uh, advise, but we were we were on the lookout for that. We made sure not to carry a, a visible watch, um, so that we'd get asked. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was quite good. I uh, don't know what you thought of the stadium. Yeah, I thought. Um, yeah, I agree. I, f- I feel like a few a few German people um, have warned me against. Well, I think they warned generally against East Germany, but Rostock in particularly. And I think, like most German football grounds, really, particularly if you're in a standing section, as long as you keep your wits about you then um, you'll be fine and don't sort of make yourself stand out in any way. Uh, like you said, I thought it was quite a distinctive stadium. Um, I think it's sort of from the 70s and 80s. Um, the, perhaps the one thing from our position was there are quite a lot of um, sort of high concrete beams. Uh, in fact, actually quite similar to Slower's Park in that way, where if you're, if you're standing or sitting behind it, you actually can't see. So I think uh, Colin... And my view of the penalty spot in the on the one end was a bit um, was a bit blocked. But yeah, the fact that you've got the because I didn't I didn't realize this before, but at Zutribuna in Rostock, um, they're actually even though they're the ultras, <clears throat> they're actually standing by seats, and the standing section is where we were, and the standing section is also split into two, so it's on either side of the north stand, which I thought was quite strange. And as we also noticed. There's a separate set of um, Hansa Ultras in Block 9A uh, who actually sing different songs and have a different capo and everything to the Zootsabun as well. And because there's only about, I don't know, probably 200, 300 of them, you actually couldn't even hear them. Um, yeah, and just sort of um, another point, like, like you were saying, I would expect there to be lots of police maybe when they're playing sort of a relatively big opponent. But the fact, I think what, what was crazy was the fact there were so many police and they were playing Fortuna who brought like 200 fans with them and not even any ultras. So um, yeah, that was definitely, definitely crazy. And I guess one thing we, we should say is if you do head to Rostock on a Sunday uh, or a bank holiday or something like that, is uh, get a beer in the, in the Deutsche Bahn service centre in the main station because there literally won't be anywhere else to buy beer on the, on the walk to the Walter Stadium. So in case you are heading over there, then that's uh, GFP's number one tip. Yeah, right. definitely, I definitely is like you both have alluded to, like keep your wits about you when you're in the, the, the Stay Platz and uh, Rostock. 
what was nice to see was that um, there was a there was a, a there was like a statement before the game, but it was really close to kickoff. That it sort of ruined the atmosphere of kickoff. Not that it wasn't a good uh, or bad message. It was a message to do with the that uh, there was a, a police officer in Hamburg that died, and the Hansa Rostock fans had kind of made comments about this. Um, but the, so it was the board were all standing there, and one of the, the main board members uh, was talking through and saying how the club apologised. But it happened where the players were coming out. It just kind of felt like the wrong time to do it. And well, it was wrong for us because the the, the hands of him um, was playing at the time. But what was nice was that as soon as that was over, the game had basically kicked off um, like a minute later. So you hardly missed the um, the him. But what was nice was when they obviously had to turn the music off, that the the whole crowd just kept singing. And it was just a really nice atmosphere of the hands of him, hands of forever. Um, been playing out um, throughout the, the Aussie Stadium, which was what was also nice to see. And what I actually spoke to Andrew, good friend of the show, um, about afterwards was there was no phones in sight at the whole that him. The game had already started. Everyone was just enjoying the atmosphere. It was amazing. And um, I know we all got our phones out at times, sort of, just a couple of moments. Um, but like, I don't think we. I think that's one thing I would maybe not do in the Aussie Stadium is to make it look really obvious you're filming things because no one really did it um, from the whole fans either. So we snuck a couple of photos and a couple of videos and stuff. But it's just it's one of those places that you if you get if you if you go. No, I'm not saying you're going to get absolutely battered every time you go to one of these stadiums. But if you keep your wits about you, you know you're not going to run into any bother. I mean, you had your own bit of um, issues with a very big Hansa Rostock bald man with cargo trousers on and a Hansa Rostock Jan Verhoek on the back who said that it was a wise decision that you helped him past. Um, so I wonder what, what would happen if you said no, um, because if that's a wise decision, just to be kind and polite and moving your beer out of the way so you can walk, I wonder what would happen if you didn't. He also spoke to Andrew later on and Andrew's Sprechenik Deutsch um, sentence went down the street, he just gave him a good wee pat in the back and had a laugh and walked off. So yeah, you could you could walk into the wrong people but I don't, I don't think, I think I think the guy, the highest foul fan I kind of put a bad impression in our heads that something bad would happen when it was actually uh, quite a good experience in the end. But the I game guess, is not pretty good. Mm, I guess it's probably the kind of place that a lot of people, like, there's a reputation and that sort of grows legs a bit. And a lot of people in other areas of Germany probably don't go near Rostock and stuff because of it. And I don't know, like that, that guy we were speaking to hadn't been in Rostock for like 27 years. And I'd imagine the image... It's probably cleaned up a bit since then. Um, things have probably improved, I'd imagine, in the last sort of 20, 30 years. Uh, but they've probably still got that reputation. There's definitely a lot of strong characters there, like the guy that, um, who, know, who knows what he would have done to me if, it, if I didn't move my beer. But uh, he, he was there. I think mo- most of the folk, it's just like normal, normal people, just like any other ground. But, but it is a lot less watered down. There's not the sort of tourists there, I don't think. You look at the hymn, which was brilliant. It was a, probably one of the best hymns I've heard in Germany. And I think a big reason for that was when the music was turned off and the fans were just singing it and like two minutes into the game. Uh, but you saw like, like every, apart from the Düsseldorf fans, every side of the ground, pretty much everyone had their scarves up. So everybody, everybody's fully behind the club and a proper supporter. Uh, Whereas in maybe other grounds, uh, in the Bundesliga, there's a lot of a bit more casual fans. It's the kind of ground that you, you barely. I mean, Robert pointed out to me a couple of Düsseldorf fans we saw on the home end, like what brave people doing that. But it's the kind of place that you would you see a lot of mixing fans uh, in the Bundesliga, a really really. But I think it's the sort of place that you'd really see as as a bit more. If he was a lot more partisan, I would say similar to the likes of Dresden. Uh, but I, th- I thought it was probably, particularly when you consider uh, how big the crowd was, only about 21,000, which is a decent crowd for um, Spitaliga compared to like some of the Bundesliga crowds. I think we've seen it. It's one of the best atmospheres I've ever seen, I think. Uh, one of the, don't know if you'd both agree with that. Yeah, I think it's one of my most enjoyable experiences at football grounds as well. Uh, I think that's more to do with the fact that my past couple of months has been working 
uh, at a ground, so you don't really experience it as much. Um, so definitely that for me was one of our best, and I think you said as well, it's probably your best experience. I know we really, we all picked up the Bremer Booker for Osnabrück, but I think uh, that was definitely one of us. And I think I also helped it. It was a good game. It was a really entertaining game. Uh, Traumtor from Hanno Behrens, um, uh, Sabodka making an absolute calamity. We had no idea what was happening. We just we just saw the referee run over the screen and then all of a sudden there was a penalty, which was nice. But um, Sabodka, you look at later, I don't know what he's doing there, uh, especially with VRs in charge uh, of games most times. It's a bit of a mad one, but um, it's good to actually see a, a nice win, uh, watch the, the players celebrate, which, which is also quite nice. As uh, Robert said earlier, the bit of a spread out ultra section, there's one it's ultra section outside the main ultra section, and there's the other state plots which we were in. They went round and they did the usual um, kind of like, celebrations with fans after the, the Heimzieg. So that was really nice to see that they did it in all different areas. So it kind of it lasted quite a while with the stand and the stadium as well. So I really enjoyed that. It was just, just all in all, it was a proper good game. I, w- I would wonder what the, the, the atmosphere would have liked if they lost, but uh, to play really well, they pretty much out, outdone, outpaced, outplayed Dusseldorf as well. Dusseldorf got quite lucky with their goal, it was a bit of a switched off from the rushed up defence. And um, so it was a really good day for me. I had definitely one of my best experiences in Germany. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a point we do go on about a lot, and I think that's why we enjoyed Osnabrück, is it's about the whole experience, but really everything did come together. The city was really nice. We had a, an eventful trip there, trip back. Uh, the game was really good. I thought it, it sort of ebbed and flowed. Hansa came out really strong, probably could have even led to sort of two or three, um, but were perhaps, uh, but then sort of either, either side of half-time, Fortuna had a few chances, particularly from set-pieces. And probably deservedly equalised through through Nagai. Um and then sort of as George was alluding to before, the uh, atmosphere and end of the game at Hasal wasn't really good, but it was it was really good. I thought particularly those last fifty minutes, the atmosphere was great because because Rostov were winning. And I'm, maybe I'm not sure I agree with Roy in that respect. You feel like because Rostock maybe feel like they're punching above their weight a bit in, ter- in footballing terms, at least in the second division. You feel like the fans are supporting them all all the time. Um, so yeah, just a, just a really enjoyable experience all around. And I think I thought we'd maybe in the standing section we'd be a bit more sort of there'd be people all around us. But um, I think there was there was a bit of space, which was also also nice. Um, as yeah, we could sort of <laughs> talk to each other in English and that kind of thing, and not have to pretend we were we were from Rostock or Barnamunda. Yeah, I mean, I think. The ground still slightly uh, restricted, only about twenty-one thousand dollars in a twenty-nine thousand stadium. So I mean, there's, there's got to be it's got to be reduced somewhere. I think it might have been slightly capped in the standing bits. Obviously, there's a decent, reasonably sized gaps between the away fans and the home fans. But it's great to see that it's, it seems like the players and the fans have a really good relationship at the club. Uh, really got the. the uh, Really saw that when they were celebrating, like the likes of John Verhook celebrating with all corners of the ground, stuff like that. In stark contrast, really, to uh, Fortuna, yeah, I saw one of the things I noticed at the end of the game, like Andre Hoffman was the only player that was walking over and he's like shouting furiously at the other players because they were just all like hanging about the subs bench. He was the only one sort of willing to go over to like clap the fans at the end. Then eventually they sort of sorted it over. Um, that bit, it's just an interesting thing that I pointed out. But um, yeah, had a really uh, headed over, head, headed back to the the station after that. Um, confronted by an interesting bald character with a, a hands a scarf, uh, wearing uh, carrying what I thought was a, a basketball. But, um, <laughs> turns out, turns out, to, turned out to be a, a pumpkin. <laughs> the, the Halloween theme. Uh, we were a bit like we thought it was a bit dodgy, but like I mean, what was what was going to happen? Like, have you ever heard of like, getting battered by somebody carrying a pumpkin? Like, is it, does, that, does that ever happen? I don't think so. I don't think so. Some random random Halloween stories, maybe. But maybe yeah. that's the uh, maybe that's the Halloween version of the what what time is it kind of for your watch? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you go and down look at your watch, watch and you get a, a pumpkin smacked over your face. No, I meant more, oh, look at my pumpkin, it's Halloween and there's a, there's a fist hiding behind it, I don't know. <laughs> That's probably what we say in German to us when we're, we're walking by. 
and it it seems um seemed a shame to leave Rostock, but obviously we had a long, long journey back, uh, which seemed to take twice as long when you had no game to look forward to when you're going back all the way to Hamburg. Uh, but we arrived, arrived back in the city, dropped our Rostock scars back at the flat, uh, probably didn't want to be seen with them in Hamburg, given the St Pauli element in the city. Uh, met up with George, who had, a, had some football himself, uh, during Sunday, um, who did that go? Um, as mentioned, not that well. Um, uh, a few, a uh, few ridiculous passes from myself were the only really highlights. Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, not a lot to report that game. We we lost us, but all there is to say. But it was good that the game was filmed so that I could um, spam our WhatsApp chat with uh, with said passes. But um. And then, yeah, conflicting emotions of, um, you know, meeting up with you guys after I was on a bit of a down from, from my loss of the, on Sunday afternoon. But, yeah, just hear, hearing all your stories, um, some stories more than once, um, was, was, was definitely entertaining. Um, and, yeah, that, that moved on to the, the table football, which um, some of us were better at than others. But um, it was... Who started yeah, me and Roy actually started that unbelievably well. Yeah. But um, then I some made the mistake of swapping Roy out for Andrew, and then it sort of went downhill at that point. Um, and I, mean, I, I, I accidentally paired uh, Robert with my roommate, Moritz, who were unreal goalkeeper for Haggis here. I don't know, is it a hockey play thing? You've been just sort of cracking wrist action. But you were uh, right in there, the goalkeeper. And then turns out my roommate, Moritz, was an absolute... Pushball got table pushball got so yeah they were unbeaten they beat us two 0 I think as well which was fun and they beat um, Andrew and my other roommate Halka two one as well so I think they had a very very good time at it and um, if you ever if you are looking for a professional table football player you have a goalkeeper in Robert Haggis and uh, please contact the the podcast through our DMs but yeah it was good I think that really that made it a nice night because obviously Halloween's not very big in uh, Germany so no one was really out on Sunday it was quite a quiet night but I think that made it quite nice just the pub was a bar was a nice chilled atmosphere we got the table football out ended ended the the weekend on quite a good high I'm almost certain that's why everyone just listens to this podcast to hear us uh, give a detailed report of uh, (laughs) (laughs) That, that's that's really why everyone tuned in in the first place. I'm sure they were dying to know which combinations work best with with whom and whatnot. And that we had a nice night on Sunday and blah blah. blah. So I'm I'm glad if you got to this point, um, then I, I mean you've got what you wanted. <laughs> Overall, yeah, I, I suppose the trip's not over. Uh, Sunday. No, Monday morning continued after Sunday, obviously. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a spare few hours to uh, see some sites in Hamburg that we hadn't. We saw the Millentor, wondered about the Raper Ban a wee bit. Uh, so that was that was interesting. Um, and then eventually headed back to the airport where. It was extremely stressful because Hamburg security just decided to. Sorry, would you want to come in? No, I, no, I was just uh, saying to Roy that I told you to get there early because I've been on a, I've been on the flight uh, previously, and uh, <laughs> at one point I've been on a plane previously, yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, also as as George as George said, I'm sure people are. are keen on these kind of details but uh you also gave my uh gave my flatmate a nice a nice scare on monday <laughs> um to to thank her to thank her for for staying at, um at the flat over the weekend in true halloween fashion <laughs> <laughs> well uh, yeah that, we, didn't, we didn't speak about our halloween names and ali do which you move on from that, move on from that. But yeah, it's a good weekend. I enjoyed it. So. Great weekend, great weekend. Uh, so, I mean, speaking of... Messed up. Uh, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I believe uh, the the, ep- the trip, the recount of the trip is over, but the episode isn't, as I believe Robert has prepared a quiz for us. Well, the why theme, I the, the theme continues actually, because it's a uh, it's a quiz almost based on the weekend, uh, and a, a quiz about the cities of Hamburg and Rostock. So, um, see how much see how much you you took from the weekend. <laughs> you didn't so, tell us your guided tour was going to be a quiz. It wasn't one of the <laughs> <laughs> um, And so yeah, some of the well, most yeah, all of them are like guessing as well. So whoever gets the whoever gets the closest gets gets the point. There's uh, there's ten <laughs> ten questions as well. So um, I reckon we'll go uh, youngest to oldest again uh, as we as we cleared up. <laughs> when, when everyone's birthdays is over the weekend as well. We could do it in height order. <laughs> we could do it in height order as well, which is pretty much it's the same. <laughs> no, you're not. No, no. Right, no, let's not get into that. So question, question one is the distance between Hamburg and Rostock in kilometres. So, uh, George, go for, you can go first. I, I, I can almost hear our, our last listeners um, flipping off. Um, um, the distance uh, in, in kilometres, kilometer. well, that's, that's an issue for me, first and foremost. Um, if it was my, I was going to quickly convert my miles between. Um, I would say. Kilometers. One hundred and eighty. One hundred ninety-eight. One hundred forty-two. Uh, Collins the closest. It was one hundred nine. It's one hundred ninety-one kilometers. Uh, say one hundred ninety. Very, very good guesses from two of you, anyway. <laughs> um. Well, there is, there is actually a right answer to this one if you're paying pay, paying attention to. Uh, in fact, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go. Who can who can shout it out the quickest? Uh, and it was included in one of the chants on Sunday. Is uh, in what year were Hansa Rostock formed? Nineteen sixty-five. That's a, another point. Nineteen hundred twenty-six. Yeah, see how. Yeah, see how. But then told. That's a nice sound clip. Clip that. Up. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, when was the construction on the Hamburg Rat House, otherwise known as the Town Hall, started? Oh, you told me this like more than once. Um, are we, um, are we, are we going round? Yeah, yeah we're going to sort of start with George. Um, I'd say. Um... Exact year. Mm-hmm. Say, fourteenth century. Thirteen, thirteen, thirty-one. Okay, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> eighteen eighty-two. Roy, nineteen oh one. There's Colin again. It was eighteen eighty-six. Um, we'll start, we'll start, we'll start with Roy this time. Uh, what's the population of Rostock? Oh, um, the nearest thousand. Near thousand, look at um, 365. Mm-hmm. Colin? 320,000. So, if you ask me the rest of the culture, I can tell you because I did it today, George. 195,000. Uh, George has got his first point on the board. That's 209,000 people in Rostock, the 39th biggest city in Germany. Uh, <laughs> what about the population of Hamburg to the nearest uh, 100,000? Uh, Colin, you're you looking at me. Yeah. Uh, it's and it's in there is fifty thousand. Two million four hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, George. One million seven hundred and eighty thousand. 
the final point goes to Roy because it's uh, 5,000 apparently. 8,000 8, people can get in, but for a football game, it cool. uh, has to be split, so it's 5,000. Um, and that means there's a tie at the top. But, uh, <laughs> but, but unfortunately, I haven't got a tiebreaker, so I have to end it there. And uh, there can be a there can be a shaking of the hands between uh, Paisley and Air this week. So um, yeah, thank you. Try to find the camera, my laptop. Hope you enjoyed the quiz, and uh, glad you glad you now know how many uh, annual production there is in loops of pills and hectoliters. I'm sure that's, that's something you can take to work tomorrow. You know, I I feel so educated on the size of Hamburg and Rostock, and it's ninety percent because of you now, Robert. So, thank you, thank you for the history lesson. You're welcome. Um, that ties up the episode. I think if you are still listening after their uh, tales of table football and that quiz there, which was enjoyable, but you might have already sw- folk might have already switched off anyway. That was, that was a good episode. Uh, Talking about a trip, uh, trips to Hamburg and Rostock, and it made a nice change that I was actually there, so I wasn't envious while talking about it. So that, that was good. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway, and thank you for listening again, and we'll see you soon. Oh. Paul Lambert and Karl Heinz. Riedle 1 zu 0 für Borussia Dortmund. Ja!